5 Minutes with Phil, a daily devotion for people on the go. Brought to you by Tabor Church. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Not So Much 5 Minutes with Phil. All right, today we have a, a wonderful a wonderful opportunity uh, to once again learn from a man who has uh, some great impact already on Tabor Church. And it's a good to be able to circle back around both in our history of, of Tabor Church, but also understanding our opportunity to learn from others. But today we have Pastor Martin Daring. Sometimes at Tabor Church, we call him Pastor D. Uh, but Pastor D, how are you doing today? I'm doing better than I deserve. <laughs> That's <laughs> is right there. <laughs> the Lord has been good to us, especially during these past few months of, of pandemic, lockdown, shelter at home kind of things. Sandy and I have been really blessed. We've been able to, well, Sandy's been able to work from home all the time. I'm able to go into uh, the office when I want to because there's nobody at church. I don't have to worry about, you know, other people being around. The one thing that we have noticed is that we're not making the personal contacts with people that we want to. And boy, we sure miss that. But um, it, it's been a, a really unusual experience. But the Lord, Lord has helped us to this point and continue will help us in the future. Yeah. So what's the biggest takeaway that you had from kind of living through COVID, um, both personally, you know, family-wise? What, what was that biggest takeaway that you had? Well, I guess the, the thing that remains with me, and I, I thank God for it, is that there's this awareness that the Lord is always with us. That line from uh, Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the Lord is with me. I will fear no evil. There's been a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty, and a lot of confusion in the last three, four months. And the Lord continues to take it to bring us through. Thanks be to God, nobody in our, our family or extended family or really extended family has been seriously affected by the disease. There have been people who haven't been going to work, and you know, they're dealing with that kind of thing. People staying at home and they're they're learning more about family cohesion and and togetherness than they they thought they they uh, would ever know. And the other thing is that in the the larger picture of it all, our fears and our our apprehensions are not really rational. There's been you know how many millions of people infected by COVID nineteen, and and certainly there have been many that have died. But the overwhelming number of those who have been infected have have survived and have gotten over the the whatever it is the virus. So, despite the fact that the threats and the evils can seem large, God is still greater and uh, continues to be with with His people and with people all over the world. Yeah, it's a good reminder, I think, for everybody to uh, that, that God's still greater than anything that we can face and. Thanks for that reminder again. So tell, oh, thank the Lord. Yeah. So <laughs> we're, we're, what you're doing with church, just to update other, I, I know where you're at right now, but tell everybody who maybe ha- hasn't you know, known where you're at, tell everybody what you're doing right now. Well, for about a year and a half now, I've been serving as a vacancy pastor 
at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Melrose Park. This is the church that when we moved to Chicago in 2008, my wife decided we would be a part of. She had visited the church and uh, I was off doing pulpit supply other places. She had visited the church and like the spirit here, it's a multi-ethnic family of faith. There are people of many different backgrounds here. And she just liked the way that it all fit together. So since 2008, we've actually been members of this congregation. For a long time, I was a, a, a delinquent member because I was off helping churches like Tabor and St. John Montrose and Concordia Belmont to uh, continue to uh, have services and have pastoral presence there. But I've been here at St. Paul now for about a year and a half. It's a contract thing. I'm only here. I'm only supposed to be here half time. Uh, you feel know what half time for a pastor means. That's like only 60 hours a week. It's um, it's a challenging and a rewarding ministry. And the Lord, the Lord good. Very good. So tell me what uh, St. Paul's is doing about uh, when they, when did they close? Have you reopened? What, tell me, walk through that process. Sure. Well, we, um, like everybody, heard the first rumblings of all this coronavirus back in January and February. Uh, and uh, we felt that, you know, taking care of ourselves and washing our hands and that kind of stuff would, would be the best way to proceed. And then in March, when the president of the United States and the governor of the state of Illinois suggested that we have gatherings of no more than 10 people at all, that meant that even the midweek Lenten devotions that we were having would be too large of a group. So right about the middle of, of March, we uh, suspended having worship services either on Wednesdays or on Sundays. During Lent, we would have a, a worship at around the noontime hour and one in the evening, and we'd have a meal in connection with that. And we, it was a great time for fellowship, but uh, that went away. Our Sunday morning worship services, at 9 o'clock, we have an English language service, and at 11.30, we have a Spanish language service. So both of those were interrupted. Choirs and concerts and, and things like that. They just sort of evaporated all, all, all at once. The other pastor here, Pastor Martin Zarate, who's in charge of the Spanish-speaking congregation, we decided that we wanted to keep on going using whatever internet stuff we could do. And so really quickly, I had to jump into putting videos on Facebook and then eventually putting them on YouTube. And then because we had some people that didn't have internet access, you know, that great, we would send out the YouTube link via email to people so that they could see it that way. It was amazing. Typically on a Sunday morning in the English service, we would have 75 to 100 people. And in the Spanish service, there would be 25 to 50 people. So those Sunday morning worship services became zero really fast. But we started noticing that videos that we were posting on Facebook and on YouTube, they were getting 100, 120, 150, 200, 300 views. You know, for us, that's pretty amazing. I understand that there are people that have 500 people or a million people following them on Facebook. But for us, we were excited that we were able to use this technology to, um, 
reach out to more people than we could meet on a Sunday morning. Now, what's the value of that contact? How, how is the word going to grow in their lives? What questions are they asking about? Those are all kinds of things we're still grappling with. We're not really sure how to do it, but that's, that's been something amazing. And then, you know, Zoom conferences started happening, like we're doing this morning, just reaching out and using a technology to allow communication of a, of a pretty high kind with people that, you know, have the similar kind of technology. We did decide the deacons here, uh, they don't have elders in this church, they have deacons. The deacons decided that this last Sunday would be our first back in the sanctuary worship service. But we've been taking the state guidelines and the CDC guidelines and Northern Illinois district guidelines into effect. We've, we've taped off the pews so that we're only using every third pew. But our sanctuary, like a lot of other sanctuaries, is big enough so that we can put all of our people in one third of the pews. Now, we have them spaced out so that each group is five to six, maybe eight feet away from the next group up. And we haven't spaced out in the pews. But uh, this last Sunday, we had 70 people in our sanctuary. And it was very pleasant. Uh, it was a beautiful day. But also, it felt comfortable. There were enough people to, to help fill up the pews so that we had a feeling of a community. We didn't pass the peace of the Lord, which is something big for us. This is a congregation where people would take five to 10 minutes to walk up and down and, and share God's peace with one another. And in communion, we did things a little bit differently, but uh, we were able to uh, plan and, and work with it. And uh, we had groups of people ready to clean the pews and clean the bathrooms after services. And we had hand sanitizer at the doors and masks available for people. It took planning, but we were really pleased with the, with the turnout that we had. We're still going to continue the, the internet stuff, the electronic stuff, because there's some people that we're reaching by, by that yeah. that we would never see in our sanctuary. So we're still going to continue that. Yeah, that's what I was going to follow up with. I was going to ask you about the the other dynamic. Do you think that there were some feel comfortable coming that that online worship would be still available and they would still be able to connect, just not in the... We have one guy, well, I shouldn't say guy, one family that responds to every video put up, they live in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so they're responding real time for them. And it's just amazing. We thank God for that. Yeah, because, you know, what's the chances of being able to connect with those, you know, people around the world like that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tabor, we've seen some people. I mean, it's been been fun. We've connected with, um, you know, a guy from Connecticut. You know, he's now, you know, part of our Bible study during the midweek. And wow. Yeah. And there's a, and my parents get to watch from Virginia and actually be in worship with us. And, you know, it's been a while since I've been able to, you know, be in worship with my parents. But, but yeah, it's just being able to connect that way is, is, it's a blessing of technology. Yeah. There's a lot of, what do I, what do I wrinkles, uh, <laughs> a lot of, missteps and a lot of mistakes that we've made along the way. And I thank God for the grace that people are giving to us for that. I mean, even though our efforts are nowhere near the professional efforts that are still on TV right now, I thank God for the opportunity to reach out to people. 
yeah i've had some conversations with people about that because it's yeah it's the same like there are some churches who have the capacity to to put together a production and i call it a production because it looks that way Tabor church we don't have um, we don't have even the volunteers in place to put together a large production of multi-camera angles and like so what i always say is like i can always then lament and say oh i wish it was like or i can say you know what praise god that we have something that we can put together as a church yeah which takes us back to the covid thing you know i'm thankful in a sense and don't misunderstand this I'm thankful that my parents died before they had to go through something like this. We, my brother and my sisters and I, we are confident that they died in faith and that they are now with the Lord in a a much better way than we are. But what would it have been like to go through these last three or four months if we didn't have telephones or if we didn't have, you know, Zoom conferences or if we didn't have the opportunity to learn about things and to to research things and ask questions of people, wow, the technology that humans have developed can be a, a marvelous tool. I mean, it can be a, a also it can be a tool for evil, but it can be a, a marvelous tool for us. Yeah. So we know that uh, there's also some other stuff happening in the world right now with racial unrest and. Oh yeah. And so tell me what you what you've been learning through that process as well. Well, thanks for the question, Phil. I don't think I'm an expert in any way. In fact, my wife and I, both of us were born in the same year. We've lived through a lot of the 60s and 70s and 80s and uh, still trying to live through the 20s. <laughs> but for a large part of our life, it was like we had blinders on, you know, or we were being sheltered from a lot of news that was going on around us. Terrible things were happening not that far apart from us geographically and not that far from us temporally that we didn't have any clue about, you know? And it's at this point in life that I'm realizing that even though my parents were not rich by any stretch of the imagination, that we as a, a family have experienced a lot of blessings in our lives. And my wife and I and, and my siblings and their spouses, we've We've all had incredible opportunities open to us that were not open to other people. And in, in some ways, it seems like there was act, active networks trying to keep some people out of the circle of privilege, out of the opportunities to, to do other things. I watched a few weeks ago a, a video by a fellow named Phil Vischer who had been part of the team that put together the, the VeggieTales videos for kids. And he uh, was talking about the way in which, after World War II, things like redlining and road placement were used to divide and separate people and keep some of the people out while giving benefits and protection to others. And the two maps that he used were maps of Chicago. Uh, you could see right there. I, I'm not trying to put Chicago down and saying that Texas was much better, but this has been happening all over the United States. And the thing that I realize is that as much as I love this country and the blessings that God has given us, I think that our own thankfulness for God's blessings 
has been either corrupted or or distorted by greed and by power hunger and by hatred. In a Sunday service, we usually talk about, you know, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And we also are are quick to remind ourselves that God tells us to love one another as we love ourselves. In shame and in guilt, I confess that I have not loved my neighbor as I love myself. Truth be told, I don't know most of my neighbors. And I have ways of travel and, and ways of acting that keep me separated from my neighbors. There's a real large ministry need and challenge ahead of our churches. And I, I thank God that that so many people, you, yourself included, Phil, are, are working to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ into a society that is more familiar with violence and racism and fear and anger. I appreciate your comments there. I mean, I think that what you're talking about with first prefacing it by saying i'm not not an expert on this and I, and and that's where the way that i try to come across is like i'm not trying to speak as if i know everything but what i have learned through the process is the same things that you've been learning because i've also been hearing it not just from historians but i've been hearing it from people who lived through it that were yes. outside of it and it's like i Yes, I mean, and I came to the same conclusion is that I probably should have known these things before and maybe even heard like little pieces here and there, but dismissed them. Yeah. And it was like, but why? Why did I why did I dismiss it? Why didn't I listen? Why didn't I do anything about it? And I, I don't know what it is. And yet that's the reason why I say that, like, it, it was time for for me to even come before the Lord in, in repentance and saying like, I'm sorry, like I should, I should have been more aware. I I should have known my neighbors. I should have known, you know, the people who were suffering and I didn't. Yeah. And you know, the, the good news is that God knows that about us and still calls us to do the work that we've been avoiding or ignorant of for so many years. I'm increasingly humbled by recalling the times that I that I repeated jokes that were based on someone else's inferiority. I'm ashamed that I used symbols and pictures and phrases that reflected a racial bias and a racial prejudice rather than thinking through what the symbol or the, the token or, or the bias was about, you know? The recent surge in media presentations has just been astounding to me, and it's been very helpful. My wife, Sandy, moved with her family to Birmingham, Alabama, a few months after one of the churches had been bombed and, and three little girls killed. She knew nothing of that. I can remember hearing about Martin Luther King Jr. and Selma, but feeling like that was so far removed from me, I couldn't do anything about it. And in more recent times, it's just, you know, it, it keeps on going. There's sometimes it's stated, sometimes it's unstated that uh, there are some people that are better than others. And we're going to try and 
protect that privilege. Hebrew Church posted a, a little reflection that you had yesterday about a question that had been posed to you about what happened to being proud to be an American. Yeah. And to me, what I think what, and I'll let you expound on this a little bit, but what what I got this understanding of, and because and to me, the reason why it hit me and, and Heather and the reason why we wanted to be able to share it is because it hits me that there were some things that, that are happening and have happened throughout America that that some people think are like, well, that's just the natural process of things. It's just how it happens. But, you know, it, but to me, what, what I found and, and even in some of the response, I don't and, and you can get into this, too. But when you start to be able to question some of the things that have been happening through our nation, people automatically jump to defending. Well, I'm an American. I'm American. I'm American. Like, you know, these things are good. These, you know, like, why are why are you, you know. Like people are jumping to this under like somehow you hate America because you're gonna put down here that there we haven't treated people the best. Yeah, I understand that. We have a American flag that we fly in front of our house on on national holidays. I am so glad to be a citizen of this country. And uh every time I put up the flag, I I say the Pledge of Allegiance. And if there's nobody around to laugh at me, I, I usually sing the Star Spangled Banner as well. The old Muppet movie uh, has Fozzie the Bear saying, patriotism swells in the heart of the American bear. You know, I, I feel patriotism and I know about that kind of stuff. But I've learned that Americans are not the chosen people, that there's a, a bit of triumphalism that we've carried with us that uh, is misplaced. Or ill-placed. And, and one of the things that you were talking about before about the natural response, you and I both have said the words many times, we are by nature sinful and unclean. We cannot trust our natural response. We are led by the Spirit to go beyond chauvinism, to go beyond a culture centrism, that, that my way of doing things is right. And boy, that's hard to, that's hard to overcome. Because I know that my way of doing things is right. <laughs> Why would I not do it? You know, uh, right. Yeah. And, and there is, yeah, we, um, I listened briefly to a thing this morning. One of the uh, uh, women evangelists was saying, I refuse to be known as a black woman. I don't want black to be the adjective that describes me. I want to be known as a Christian woman who happens to be black. What kind of adjectives describe me? I think. Old, bald, overweight, white, corny, weak, all those things can describe me. But I'm thankful that I can also say Christian, child of God, in the process of becoming what God has created me to be, and more and more willing to be part of the process that God wants to work in the world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What I what I see what happens because I've I've spoken about this before is where's our, our our identity is is our identity in being American or being a citizen of the United States and can we hold then that above our identity in Christ and and I think that that's what happens when we start to look at 
the the American dream and saying it's not always consistent with what Jesus is talking about. Absolutely. As much as we give God thanks for the government that we have and the country that we have, we always understand that kings and rulers and all powers are subject to the Lord of all. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate your your perspective on that, and uh, and I continue to learn from you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. This isn't going to turn into an hour and a half long podcast like the one with Steve, is it? <laughs> no, I, I I value the time with you too, and I'm humbled and thankful that you uh, asked me to be part of this. You have both uh, that creative mind of like you think of song lyrics and you can put together a song you know that you wrote and i mean and it, like to me those those creative pieces that you're looking at the things that are happening the things that you're learning about the things you're putting in place and then you can put that into music and you can put that into song you can say it creatively and and so i love those those pieces about you but you also create that that humble nature you're you're not trying to say it's going to be about Pastor D, like you're saying this. Is, you know, you, you put yourself in that position of saying this is you know this is what God does, and God's the one that's that's going to be praised over this, and not me. I don't. Thanks be to God. The one temptation I've been struggling with is uh, getting on Facebook and finding out how many views and how many likes I have. You know, <laughs> as if my value is determined by the ranking of others. And I need to, um, I need to fast from that for a bit, I think. (laughs) God bless you. God bless Tabor. God bless the United States of America. Well, I appreciate your time and uh, we continue to pray for you. Let us know if you ever want to be back on the podcast again. We, we, we always love to hear from you. So, well, thanks for your time. (laughs) God bless you. All right. God bless you. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Pastor D today. It's good to reconnect with him and hear how he's doing and and how he's leading the people right now in Melrose Park. Continue to pray for Pastor D, pray for his church, pray for our church, pray for all the things that God can do and is doing in the midst of all of these things. So hopefully you learned something today and that you were blessed by the conversation. We will see you again soon. Take care. Bye.